This week we read The Sea of Monsters, Chapter 20. The fleece works its magic too well. If the magic of your fleece lasts longer than four hours, contact your doctor immediately. <laughs> Ask your doctor if Golden Fleece is right for you. Welcome back, all our campers, to the Jackson 2, your first and foremost resources for other people who are determined to make the fact that they were born and given bodies someone else's problem. I, for my old part, nope, I, for my part, am old CW, pretty mad that my Nixon joke isn't going to make the final cut of this episode, but what are you going to do? Joining me here in order of how badly they fucked pasta up today uh, are my co-hosts. Introduce yourself, co-hosts. Uh, me with a pot of mush that his uh, girlfriend has mm. to now recover from. Mm. Uh, I'm William Mills, and uh, turns out 40 minutes is far too long to boil pasta. So it the more you know. Seem. The more you dun, know. The... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> The mush you know. But uh, who who is that chiming in and reminding us of our childhoods over there? Hi, this is Isaac. Hi, buddy. Hi, Isaac McNeely here. I am here for the podcast with my buds. And I'm glad Casey, you, you can all, you, you're the freaking editor, man. You can put your joke in wherever the hell you want. No, I can't. I have to bow to the whims of the people. Also, that no, but Williams people. was objectively Williams was objectively better. Was I was good. I was just being <laughs> the, I was just being a little editor bitch about it. It's fine. The, the will of the people, he says, as if yeah. we have an audience. Yeah, you know the new Muse record. <laughs> anyway, also William, I just want to be clear because I don't want any hurt feelings and I don't want any misunderstanding. When I talked about you fucking up pasta. I meant your initial decision to make pasta salad at all instead of just eating pasta like the Lord intended. So, welcome Plain back. Plain noodles. The way to... Casey lives his life. I put butter on them. Mm-mm-mm. Welcome back That's not plain to noodles. The... <laughs> Jackson 2. Uh, your number one resource uh, for finding out what the fuck is happening at Camp Half-Blood. <laughs> Why has that place not been shut down yet? Well, it, it might about to be. Um, who remembers what happened last time? Dale Earnhardt Sr. got a hold of horse. Um, Buddy, you cannot make that joke two episodes in a row. Come on. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was like a month ago. He said Junior last time. Yeah. Oh, okay, very good. As long as it's both Dale's Earnhardt. Yeah, that's fair. Earnhardt um, Toyota. Uh, no, but uh, they returned to camp here, triumphant. Uh, out of the limelight because it was Clarice's job and they try they feel rightfully bad on, about trying to horn in. Yeah. They do a little ritual about putting on that fleece upon the sick end tree, and it goes uh, kind of Disney princess for a bit, and it's really pretty. And then we sharply turn our attention to other things. Uh, turns out we still gotta ru- run that race. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. More charioting! When you're blue and you don't know where Kronos got to, why don't you go where Chiron sits? <laughs> Putting on the fleece. <laughs> Should have made it rhyme with fleece. I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, I'm not sure where you were going with going. that, buddy. I love you. <laughs> you um, and me both, buddy. Um, but yeah, just because no one thinks it's a good idea doesn't mean we should, you know, leave it unfinished. Yeah, that's why I finished the joke. Thanks. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, 
that's also the philosophy we use for this whole podcast. So, all good. It's true. <laughs> yep. Uh, yes, they have a chariot race. Um, and it's it's exactly what you'd think. they got to finish the chariot race. It's uh, pretty radical. Tyson has made them a hell of a ride fit for Pimpius himself. It's a pretty cool yes. thing. Go back and listen to the last episode if you want to know more about the chariot race. Well, I'm recording right now, Isaac. That would be not rude. them. The listener. Oh. The listening one. I see. Who are not on the, the podcast audience. at the moment. Well, aren't they, though? Aren't they here Eventually. with us? Always? Yeah. Not in this time frame. Eventually, we will Pe- have every listener as a guest star, and that won't be difficult because <laughs> we only have five. Exactly. So, it turns out PJ's... Give a ten of bucks to the Patreon so you can be a co-host. <laughs> Listen, Chris Daly has been waiting for that invite. <laughs> Hundred bucks on the Patreon. We appreciate all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash semi-automagic. Get this out of the way. You can get pre-shows and uh, us talking about movies, which we haven't done in forever uh, because the world kind of exploded in the past six months. But then again, it's been doing that for the last, like, oh, four or five, six months. Um, anyway... <laughs> So uh, PJ discovers that his watch is in fact a just a really sick telescopic shield. Holy shit, it's really cool. And uh, he uses it to spatula some Greek fire out of there. Everybody wins the chariot race. It's a great time. Something, something, uh, uh, animal house. And uh, PJ calls his brother, PJ calls Tyson his brother in front of God and everybody. And he wins, and the book is over. I'll be honest, I'm not sure why we're recording today. The book ended last time on a high note. It was pretty good. Wait, there's one more chapter. What? Yeah. High notes. It's funny because Casey is that. Uh, I demand it. What? <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense. You're high and making notes. Oh, oh, both of those things are true. I thought you were referring to my tenor. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a callback to uh, Casey's old joke about us both being uh, Klingon opera singers or whatever. Exactly. Like, listen, if I want to do that, if I want to do that rendition of Kapla My Coney Island Klingon, where I do all the parts, I would have to pitch myself down several steps. Yeah, Logic of editing. Okay. Well, also, I thought you were making a joke about how how high my voice goes when I laugh, and it and it cuts out your mic. The 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 subject is replete with joke possibility. We have yes. established this. Move on. Plenty of options, Dor. I intend to. <laughs> Isaac, enumerate them. <laughs> Uh, I, you just I cannot enumerate. I am enumerate. You know, I often worry that this is unlistenable just because I'm a, a jackass who won't control the thing and I enjoy hanging out with my friends too much. And then I think about every show that I love, and it really is just goofballs who love each other hanging out and eventually talking about what they're there to talk about, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sometimes 100%. they start a little more on top, on topic and mosey off, but... Uh... Yeah, well, you know what? Sometimes they also get paid. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. If, if, if Griffin and David over there at Blank Check want to want to tighten up the professionalism a little bit, they can afford to. Uh, for yep. our part. We are here we are for here. hobbies. And Chapter 20, the fleece works its magic too well. PJ, for his part, is having the happiest afternoon of his camping life because credit where it's due... The gods know how to set a guy up for maximum slapstick impact. <laughs> yeah. You can just tell that they're just... Yeah. Wi- this is just the wind-up to a uh-huh. complete turd pitch. Uh, you guys ever... 
do you guys ever like when you get in the car in the morning and you go to work or like you just go to the QT to get a soda or whatever, do you ever have a weird kind of um what's the word I'm looking for? Dissociation where you kind of like follow yourself and, and, and picture yourself like you're the protagonist in the opening montage scene of a final destination movie. No, <laughs> like I have not. Cause you know how those start, you know, they follow a guy just doing his normal thing. And like, we see death creeping up on that guy, right? We see death loosening bolts and like, poking a falcon until it's real mad so it'll attack the guy's head or whatever. Hey, come on. I don't know what death does. Come on, get swooping. Come on. I'm going to be honest. Get no, I don't hey. ever do that. Look at that guy. Doesn't he look like a field mouse? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I have that every once in a while where, uh, I, anyway, my point is PJ is one of those right now uh, yes. because he he does not realize that he is being set up for a uh, big old cosmic pie in the face. An epic bamboozlement. There it is. In what form? Go on. Um, the setup uh, follows Leslie. Grover is going to spend the rest of the summer at at camp, hanging out. Yay. G-Man. Yeah. Uh, Chiron informs him that Merriweather Prep is not pressing charges for the fire they think he set. Correct. Yay. He's still, like, hella expelling, <laughs> but he is... <laughs> No longer legally liable for anything. Yeah, because <laughs> Which, yeah, he he is expelled because <clears throat> quote quote Chiron, your headmaster, Mister Bonsai, said you had how did he put it ungroovy karma that disrupted the school's educational aura. <laughs> Mister Bonsai, Uncle Rick. <laughs> to, to be fair, that ungroovy karma did attract Canadian cannibals to. Uh throw fireballs in their gym fair play to yeah like fair play to you mr bonsai i don't um we've been uh re-watching brooklyn 99 because we never finished the last season and uh yeah it's copaganda but it's copaganda that at least tries to ask a few questions and deal with some uncomfortable things and also is wildly hilarious so you know um but there's a phrase in there where one of captain holt's oldest enemies uh the disco strangler um (laughs) escapes (laughs) And he's like 98 years old, but he's taking someone hostage, and he's going to try to strangle them with a with a yo-yo. <laughs> and the the thing the thing that keeps the phrase that keeps coming up is that uh, Captain Holt says, "Oh no, he could have he could have he, he's bound to have a hostage by now. He would have seduced them with his groovy voodoo." <laughs> and <laughs> hearing Andre Brower say, "You've succumbed to his groovy voodoo," yeah, uh, is one of the highlights of my life. In his Andre Brower voice, yeah, yes, exactly. And the guy says later, "How did you find this hostage, Disco Strangler?" I seduced her with my groovy voodoo. <laughs> um, That's and very good. The phrase, the phrase "groovy voodoo," uh, is very troubling on a number of levels, <laughs> but also has been stuck in my head on repeat. <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. Voodoo's a real religion. It's not just a go-to punchline for Hollywood hacks. One day, they'll learn that. Also, Princess and the Frog would have been ten times better if it had, like, 60% more Dr. Facilier. Anyway. And actual voodoo. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, according to him, he's got voodoo, he's got hoodoo, he's got things he he hadn't even tried. So, who knows? And presumably he was in with some of the darker sides of things uh, with his friends on the other side. You know, the the pet... But also, that lady is definitely... An analog for like Christian theology, not like oh, definitely no. It's just like the light. Like that's that's not what's up. Like there are different. There's the Petro Loa, the Congo Loa. Like there's there's good guys and bad guys in that pantheon. Like come on, Disney, just use one of those. 
just use one of those. Uh, his song is really good, though. Anyway. Oh, yeah. One of the best. So, yeah, Grover is in good now with the Council of Clove Oranges. Uh, he is no longer in trouble with them, which is great. He's learned a new song. He's, he knows two songs now on his pipes. YMCA. YMCA. Which I have to assume, in this context, stands for Young Minotaur's Corinthian Association. Uh-huh. Uh, sure. He has figured out how to sever the empathy link between he and PJ. But PJ says, nah, bruh. We'll just keep this mental talkie-walkie that can also kill us if things get too intense. Yeah. Well, I, uh, they, they also kind of assume that if something is ha- bad is happening to Grover like that, PJ's coming to save him anyway. So he probably both, knows about it. They're, they're yeah. going to both die anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah probably. They may as well both go into the same danger. Yeah. Might as well. Do. Speaking of danger, uh, Chiron, as you mentioned, William, has managed to mostly fix things up with Meriwether Prep. Unfortunately, not even Chiron, who may or may not be kind of a god, unclear, can protect him from his mother. Yes, who gives him an unholy yelling at through the phone. Yeah, just, uh, just strips the skin from his bones. Yes, but fortunately, Sally... Saint Sally is Saint Sally and chills out right quick. Yeah, quote, that's the great thing about my mom. She's no good at staying angry. She tries, but it just isn't in her nature. That's fair. That's a nice trait to have. Generally, yes. The the, the next bit was also very good. uh, Hit me. So his, his reply to all that was, you know, I'm sorry, mom. I won't scare you again. Don't promise me that, Percy. You know very well it will only get worse. Yeah, that's rough and but funny. The, yeah, I mean... Also rough. It's very, like, it's good, clear communication and parenting. It is. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm picturing her as Catherine Hahn in The Visit. Did you guys see that, the Shyamalan picture? Shyamalan! Generally try to avoid Shyamalan. Um, hey man, come on. His name's Shyamalan. Yeah, sorry. That that was a King of the Hill joke. And that's yeah, yeah. I, that's fair. I can see that. I see now that I've said it out loud that it might not have aged spectacularly. <laughs> uh, Dale Gribble, not eternal. <laughs> um, but Rusty Shackleford is forever. <laughs> also, I didn't mean to like jump all over your ass about that. I'm sorry. It's just no. Feel free to jump all, uh, all over my ass for shitty behavior. Uh, yeah, I, I would expect no less from you, which is why I did it. But um, anyway, Catherine Hahn, uh, who the listener may remember as Agatha Harkness from uh, WandaVision, oh. or I think her name is Jen in Parks and Rec. She's the completely amoral uh, campaign manager who runs opposite Leslie. Uh, she's, she's just a delight in everything <laughs> she's in. Yes. She um, but... is one of the very few people in the world who can be a complete monster in an completely irredeemable way and yep. still be an absolute riot and you are on her side every step of the way it's amazing anyway the, you may the not be on her up, side but you don't necessarily want her stopped yet yeah it's entertaining yeah you want to be behind her if at all possible so you don't get hit by whatever she's throwing but um in in the visit um which has has problems as most of Shyamalan's pictures do but I think is overall a pretty good movie um she's just this really sort of like harried normal kind of mom in a way that is so different from her normal performances and so good that she just kind of disappears into it oh, yeah. um 
It's it's pretty good. I liked it. You know what was much better than it had had any right to be was that one he did about the beach that turns you old. Oh, that was actually good. I've yeah. heard that from people I don't that I wouldn't suspect to be making a joke about it. So I might have to look at check it out. That's fair. I would not mislead you about whether or not a movie is good, at least not intentionally. That's because untrue. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I can completely see you trying to bamboozle me into seeing a funny bad movie. Okay, listen, we're going to watch Southland Tales for the bonus feed, and I am telling you guys ahead of time, Southland Tales is a mess, but it's a mess oh. that I love, and it's beautiful. Oh. I wouldn't lead you into a thing and 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 with false expectations. I can only imagine it for a funny bad movie, not like a bad, bad movie. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like waste your time in a in a mean way because uh, you're gonna die one day. I don't. I don't want to be responsible for that. Yeah. Well, maybe the dying. But <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah. But yes, Isaac, uh, the one about the beach that makes you old is um, it's a it's a one thing movie, but it's it does that thing well, uh, and I I recommend it okay. if you don't have to pay for it. It's fine. So. Um, she tells PJ to stay at camp, uh, but to come home for the next school year, they'll find some place new. So, you know, we're getting the next cycle of everybody's lives set up. Um, Tyson gets a dream from Papa Poseidon. Uh, the, the big, the big P from the deep sea. Nope. Heard it as soon as I said it. I was just trying to come up with a cool. That was pretty close to good. I knew what was coming and I didn't know how to stop you. Title of your sex tape, but, uh, that's the the Brooklyn Nine-Nine talking. (laughs) (laughs) Blame, blame Jake Peralta for that. (laughs) Oh, that, that looks really bad on the waveform. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my life, motherfucker. Oh God, my audible has to take so much Advil. (laughs) Not audible, audacity. That's not on me. Anyway, so uh, Tyson gets a dream from Poseidon uh, telling him to come work underwater at the Cyclopes Forges for the summer uh, as an intern, which is a loaded word that I feel like could have been specified a little. But um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't quite land as well as it used to. No, like, uh, like I'm not claiming you as my son, but I will claim you as my employee <laughs> for tax purposes. <laughs> I mean, he he did claim him as his son, though. He's just yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's right. It can be two things. I wish someone would claim me as an employee. God, me yep. too. Um, yeah, he can be a son and an employee, just like Alex Jones' son. Anyway, uh, so Tyson reminds D- PJ. Don't that, denigrate like, Poseidon like that. Things things seem. Free to get William, you got to start listening to Knowledge Fight. Andy in Kansas, you're on the air. Thanks for holding. Hello, Alex. I'm a first time caller. I'm a huge fan. I love your work. I love you. Um, he reminds PJ. Tyson reminds PJ that things seem pretty good right now because they are. Yeah. This is a this is a breather moment. But at best, they have hit like the cosmic snooze button on their problems. At best. And they are going to mm-hmm. need weapons and support and infrastructure if they are going to, like, square up and proper fight the bad soup one of these days. And, um, you know, much as he's good at the punching, Tyson would really, really like to try his hand at the admin side of things. Yeah. Uh, which, in this context, means making stabbies. But yep. still. He wants to make stuff for the yeah. camp. Keep everybody safe. Soldiers are all well and good, but without beans, bullets, and gasoline, they're not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. No, there you go. Now, Tyson, in a moment perhaps of prophecy, 
tells him to use the shield well and informs him quite straightforwardly that it will save his life one day. And well, uh, Which, I mean, that's a pretty good bet for a shield. Yeah. It is. And then a moment that I know Isaac loved <laughs> and has been waiting to talk yes. about. Uh, so Tyson takes his leave by heading down to the beach, giving a whistle, uh-huh. and then Rainbow the Hippocampus bursts out of the waves. <laughs> The beach that's been there the whole time. Yes. They ride off into the sunset. It's very good. <laughs> it's everything you wanted it to be. <laughs> Speaking of everything we want it to be. Everything we deserve. Uh-huh. So PJ takes a proper look at the shield watch now, and it is it is just so choice. It's so fucking it's very good. good. <laughs> um, Th- this was the part that I knew Casey was going to hone in on. I'm right here. Just gobble it up like wet cat food. Yes, please. Adorned with scenes from the summer, such as, quote... Annabeth slaying a last Dragonian dodgeball player. Me, fighting the bronze bulls on Half-Blood Hill. Tyson riding Rainbow toward the Princess Andromeda. Tyson and Rainbow going on a road trip to the Mall of America. Tyson and Rainbow at a Color Me Mine making BFF mugs for each other. Rainbow and Tyson trying to babysit a baby minotaur and hijinks ensuing. Rainbow painting a portrait of Tyson by holding a paintbrush in his mouth. Nope, paintbrush in his mouth. <laughs> Fuck! I'm only halfway through the list! <laughs> Tyson and Rainbow recreating the scene where Lucy and Ethel couldn't wrap chocolates fast enough and ended up just eating them. Tyson and Rainbow playing hat down on their luck door-to-door salesman. Oh, that's so good! I would've watched that! <laughs> it's, it's Paper Moon, but the moon is just Tyson's eye. <laughs> A door-to-door horseshit salesman. <laughs> Rainbow and Tyson getting matching tattoos that say Tybo and then getting sued by Billy Lanks. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many of these. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm gonna just go. You can call me when you're done. Rainbow and Tyson being stalked by a mummy as they explore an ancient tomb. Anyway, Fanfiction.net. Uh, it's dot com. <laughs> it's dot com. Uh, and uh, yeah, just all for scenes throughout all the summer. Uh, and that's really fucking cool. It reminds me actually of the book and picture uh, from the early 2000s Into the Wild. Um, about uh, that young man called Chris McCandless and or Alexander Supertramp who went on a journey of self-discovery and ended up getting himself, like, super dead in the yeah. wilds of Alaska. Because um, Alaska don't fuck around. Nope. No, Alaska don't give a shit. Alaska has no interest in keeping you alive. <laughs> um, and, like, depending on who you ask, he's a hero and a prophet, or if you ask most Alaskans, he was an idiot who didn't respect the land around him and got what was coming to him. He fucked around and he found mm -hmm. out. He sure did, and, like, it can be two things. I don't know. But one thing about that guy that is very cool is that uh, one of the summer jobs he worked was as a leathersmith or tanner or something with leather, and an old guy taught him how to emboss and engrave leather, and he made a belt that he carved into it like pictograms like the story of his life and journey so far that he continued continued to add to as he went on this journey of self-discovery and like that's just that's just really cool like is it pretentious as hell yes obviously but it's also cool as shit also uh the movie was pretty good so PJ's gonna miss his brother, and I get it, but they'll meet again, I'm certain. Uh, Tyson is, of course, far Don't too know good. where, don't know when. 
to waste. Uh, God, thanks, William. G- guys, do we want to break and watch Doctor Strange Love together? <laughs> sure. Fuck, that's a good movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> do we want to do that for the Patreon? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. <laughs> um, yes, we're going to end up doing Doctor Strange Love. Uh, yes. The movie that's been waiting for us to finally have the definitive word on it. Yes. So. Annabeth and Grover come to snag him for dinner, and uh, they help him just kind of revel in his sadness, which is nice. They're not trying to talk him out of it. Just let yeah. him kind of kind of feel his feelings. What happens then, somebody? Uh, nightmares. Uh-oh. As if you couldn't imagine. Bad horses. Kronos taunting him from the depths of Tartarus. Mm-hmm. Polyphemus sits blindly in his cave, young hero. Believing he has won a great victory. Are you any less deluded? Okay, first of all, I don't feel like you need to take a swipe at Polyphemus like that. What did that dude do to you? <laughs> he was a jerk to everybody. Mediocre minion? Yeah, fair enough. Was he a minion, or was he just some guy? <laughs> a pawn, at least. Alright. Yeah, the, the fleece had to end up at his place somehow, so... Yeah, that's true. Poseidon uh, repeats the message that PJ got uh, in that telegram from uh, that Hermes gave him uh, earlier. Poseidon repeats to brace himself. And, you know, normally with a prophetic dream, there's an amount of like lag time, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got a little time to ponder it and figure out what's going on. No, Poseidon means like right now. Because <laughs> yeah. no, he means. He means brace yourself as in, we're about to crash. Yeah, exactly. Brace yourself now. Brace for impact. Yeah, it's like, when, when Poseidon says brace yourself, he means it like Sully Sullenberger means it. <laughs> yep. Yes. Oh. Grover wakes him up. I am the captain now. What's Grover saying? Uh, not a lot, because he's uh, out of breath. Um, no. Anubis, on the hill. She's lying there. She's lying there. <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know whose voice that was. I'm sorry, but... Uh... <laughs> no, I was into it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Annabeth was on guard duty that night, protecting the fleece. So now everyone's just, like, bolting towards the hill because there's trouble. Cause, yeah. you know... Yeah. You, you know what every crisis needs? More bodies. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Moving about very quickly. Yep. Although, in this instance, it probably is not uncalled for because most of them are, like, armed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and a weird mix of armor and pajamas. <laughs> Just like me. So they arrive. It's pretty fog of worry. Like, it's pretty pretty confused and pretty effective at relaying that. Unfortunately, it has the effect of confusing us as well as PJ. But they finally get up there. Because we see things from PJ's perspective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We finally get up there, and Chiron says, Curse the Titan Lord. He's tricked us again. Given himself another chance to control the prophecy. Uh, which is good news for exactly nobody. Uh, Percy rushes up to Half-Blood Hill, and he finds ABC cocked out uh, beside a girl in armor. The fleece, as advertised, has done its job too well, and has purged the tree not only of the poison, but also of the human girl that apparently lives inside every tree. Well, I mean, yeah. This one was pretty specific about who lived inside that tree. I don't know. I read that woodcutter's tale. I know what's up. Uh, Uh, I don't actually have a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) That's okay. Uh, Just waiting for Casey to quit being pleased with himself and move on. (laughs) uh, But yes. um, 
But yes, but... PJ rushes up the hill to see the girl. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I knelt by her side. She had short black hair and freckles across her nose. She was built like a long-distance runner, lithe and strong, and she wore clothes that were somewhere between punk and goth. A black t-shirt, black tattered jeans, and a leather jacket with buttons from a bunch of bands I'd never heard of. Uncle Rick, cool. you sound like a teacher again. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, this is what the kids are into, yay? Uh, well, I yep. mean... In fairness, punk is kind of eternal a little bit, right? That is true. Yeah. yeah. And the crossover between punk aesthetics and goth aesthetics is not quite a circle, but... Uh... Yeah, it's pretty close. We're also living in a time, as is my understanding, of, like, real dissolution be- of, of the boundaries between, like, aesthetics and genres and subcultures. Like, now more than ever. Like, when none of these groups had Twitter, yeah, the lines were pretty pretty clean. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> now, now that everybody's visiting each other's Etsy shops and shit, like, uh, the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the cross-pollination's getting pretty intense. That makes uh, sense. Every punk band has an Etsy shop where they sell, like pot holders and also things you can put on your hands so you don't burn them when you cook anyway uh, quote even chiron annabeth and grover who should have been celebrating the moment were too shocked thinking about what it might mean for the future i was holding someone who was destined to be my best friend or possibly my worst enemy i am thalia the girl said daughter of zeus oh shit and that's the book Yay! I thought that was a really cool, like, thing to end on, because, oh, hey, we have, you know, here's another character that you can get to know, mm-hmm. who I'm pretty sure is the one that was in Percy's Dream earlier. Um, Probably. Yeah. Safe bet. Yeah. And, uh, it's also a really solid, how do we set up a, the sequel? Because mm-hmm. now yes. Uncle Rickon definitely knows he's getting one. He well, yeah, no, for sure. He's he's mapped out a fair bit here, but it's also interesting because it's an it's it is a strong bit to end on, and as you say, a, st- uh, a step forward. But it's also ambiguous. I mean, intentionally, he's setting it up here: my best friend or my worst enemy. Ra ra ra, and and a puzzle, another another wrench thrown into the machine. They're trying to build to take care of Koonosh. Uh, but just the idea that we, we don't know who this girl is and what she's going to mean in, in the machinery of this, uh, is a really interesting note to end on and like would have been more interesting to end on when the other books weren't out already. And I think yes. about that a lot. Um, there's a, not argument, but an idea I've seen floated around that, um, because we're able to stream and binge an entire show at once, mm-hmm. it kind of fundamentally alters how we interact with that mentally. Yes, yeah. thousand percent. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation is not meant to be watched six episodes at a time. No, yeah. because it's meant it's be- meant to watch one episode at a time, a week apart, so that you have time to forget some of the continuity. <laughs> exactly. When when Riker tells them to fire on the Borg cube and upon Locutus of Borg, you are supposed to wait an entire summer. You're not supposed to just hit next and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, like, it it uh, really hits home with a show from my childhood. It's a miniseries called The Tenth Kingdom. Oh, yeah, I know uh, of this. Mm-hmm. I rented this to many little weirdos at Blockbuster. It, it is very charming, but yeah. also... It, uh, there's quite a fair bit of, like, beat repeating and 
Uh, Rebeating. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like things to keep an audience up to speed on a week to week basis that yeah. you just don't need if you're watching it all at once. But yeah. if you're watching it one episode and then a week or two next episode, it's like, oh yeah, this is why they're in this town. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's interesting when creators have to start considering the ways in which their creations are being consumed and consider how they might need to change how they do things to reflect that and interact with that in a more in a more efficient way. Like, for example, the Star Trek Picard, which just ended a little bit, um, took full advantage of the fact, like, oh, we know people are going to be watching three or four episodes of this at a time, because first of all, they ain't going to fucking watch it until they hear it's actually good, and at that point, they'll have three episodes stored up. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, with, uh, Isaac, um, how far are you in the Stormlight Archive? Um... Let's see. I think I got a little bit into Rhythm of War, but uh, okay. Yeah, I kind of fell off of it. Did you do the interstitial novellas? Did you do uh, Edge Runner between Words of Radiance and Oathbringer, and uh, Dawn Shard between Oathbringer and Rhythm of War? Uh, no. You I... should. They are very, very goddamn good. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm in the middle of uh, Dawnbringer right, or Dawn Shard right now. There's so many okay. words and none of them sound real. Anyway, um... <laughs> they all sound yeah. they all sound like towns in Skyrim. Yeah, I, I know the girl in Edge Runner is like appears in some of the other books and is correct, cool but kind of annoying. So yeah, Lift shows up as kind of a second Lopen, really. But yeah. um, yeah. But anyway, my my point is um. You know, when I when I finished Oathbringer the first time, Rhythm of War was years off, hadn't even been announced. Uh, and, like, I, I thought about it for years and, like, what all these things could mean. And then I was doing my run-up, um, and I'm about to jump into Rhythm of War. And it's a different thing, like, knowing that these events, like, oh, I'm about to get answers now, it's fine. Um, you know, <laughs> that I don't I don't have to worry about what's going to happen at, at Urothiru because I could just go find out. Uh, it's it's just a different thing, and I think about that in terms of like big series of books that we already have that are out. Like, you know, when you just didn't know what what thing Sherlock Holmes was going to do next. Nobody does. He hasn't told us yet. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't exist. Exactly. Okay, well, that's the book uh, overall. How did we feel about this as a book and as compared to The Lightning Thief? Obviously very different creatures, obviously trying to yes. do very different things. Perhaps a fool's errand to compare them at all. And yet, who are we if not three fools at the Ralphs? I mean, I think it's natural because they're in the same series, so... Oh, seems like a stretch, but all right. I, I mean, I guess, yeah. Who says two follows one? Ha! Um, well, I forgot I, where I, I was going with that. Um, I'm not sure either. I think this one was better, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, generally that's me. Um, and you I... can feel the God like, bless ex- you, Isaac. <laughs> you can feel like the experience level up he had writing the first book. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, "Oh, absolutely. this is how I do things." Um, yeah, like, and, in the actual writing itself, and in the overall storytelling, and yeah, in the... Yeah. yeah, it's it's just, it's a more a more polished, more skillful effort all around, really. Yeah, and I think he's yes. got a better, like, hold on the meta plot as this comes up. Yeah, Because, like, you know, the this ending piece with, like, or, you know, even 
elaborating on the prophecy, and then, yeah, here at the end, adding another person who's a possibility for the prophecy is, uh, like, that's a, a cool way to put a twist on it and bring up a variety of questions for the next book. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's very cool. It's, it's, it's real good shit. And, like, even considering that it has basically the exact same beats as the first book like uh you know uh, pj there's an inciting incident pj gets to camp then it turns out there's a quest they have to go somewhere they get sidelined in a place they end up in a thing it turns out the bad guy was bamboozling them they end up on a beach both times somehow um (laughs) you know it's it is it is beat for beat just the same thing again, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I think the sort of cyclical nature of it actually works pretty well, and and hitting those same beats more skillfully and with with surer, more confident footsteps uh, is actually a, a pretty fun little echo. Well, gentlemen, for the last time, this book for the final time in the Sea of Monsters, I ask you: Did you find yourselves a brunner? In my world, I'm known as Chiron. I can lead if the congregation would prefer. Oh, really? You, yeah, you go ahead. Go ahead and okay. lead. My favorite is one of one of the true. I think I think you should lead. Uh, one of the things on Tyson's shield uh, that I didn't mention because I uh, was too self amused with my own jokes that didn't land, which is correct because they were dumb. But uh, one of the things that actually was in there, uh, the final one, was an engraving of Tyson holding a box of uh, monster donuts aloft in victory over the Hydra. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. That's very good. That's on brand. That's the that's the maker's mark right there. <laughs> um, yes. Also, I do have to say those jokes did land. We just didn't want to interrupt them. <laughs> oh, that's fair. No, you guys yeah. are you guys are nice. <laughs> I got the rep and fire going. I was I I was just waiting for them to be over so we could move on. Tyson and Rainbow start a podcast. <laughs> uh. Rainbow and Tyson and one of those standees at the boardwalk where you stick your face through a hole and they take a picture and it's got Rainbow as the muscle man and Tyson is the little kid. What? <laughs> I mean, I was just waiting for them to be done because I know better than to try and stop you. Where, where'd you go, William? Uh, I'm still here. Well, William, did you cook your internet still, too long? I'm still recording. Too much William. pasta in the internet tube. I shit. Did you clog your modem with pasta again? Um, I was still recording throughout all of that, uh, so I can only assume it's oh, my good. broadband okay. uh, or my. Bandwidth okay. Is okay, okay. screwing up. You were doing a denial of sauce attack on yourself, just like Twitter. It's fine. Uh, yes. Uh, did Did you hear my witty, uh, scathing rebuke before I cut out? No, but you know what? I'll hear it in the edit, and I'll work this around it. It'll be devastating, I'm sure. I'm sure. But um, editor Casey here. I've heard better. Tyson and Rainbow peeking out from under a blanket watching a scary movie together on a rainy day. Anyway, <laughs> um, other people's brunners. Mine is... It's, it's a very short chapter, guys. So You don't have to yeah. have one. You are not obligated to have a brunner. I have not skipped a chapter yet. I do not want to start a precedent. Precedents lead to... Precedents. precedents lead to impeachments. And motorcycles should be illegal. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Saving yes. that soundbite. Um, I'm. <laughs> I'm honestly gonna go with um, Chiron's whole saving Percy's ass with Merryweather because I. Like yeah, most, yeah. I assume most readers had completely forgotten about that and did not expect there to be any fallout. And so I was oh, like, yeah. "Oh yeah, he's on the run for nope. suspected blowing things up," <laughs> which is, it was just a good uh, <laughs> yeah, sus- suspected explosionary. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, Mister yeah. Bonsai. Honestly, yeah. Well, and I, I love that. I mean that that's that's an excellent point because I definitely did forget that. But my favorite thing about that was that PJ said, "Oh, Rao, really? You got it all fixed?" And Chiron was like, "No, no, you're still hella expelled, dude. I'm sorry." And I'm like, "No, you like the school blew up." <laughs> like, um, like, don't don't go overboard here, Percy. Just count your blessings. Uh, I really like that. Isaac, were you able to find something? Were you able to scrape this admittedly thin? chapter like so many great shells and find a gem heart nestled within yeah i did like the uh the part where percy's dream changes to the message from poseidon he gets a uh an image of uh poseidon's like place at the bottom of the sea yeah Uh, it was a radiant hall filled with blue light the floor floor cobbled with pearls and there on a throne of coral sat my father, dressed like a simple fisherman in khaki shorts and a sunbleached t-shirt. Uh, right. I, but, yeah. I forgot about that bit. I was going to give that one my brother. But I'm stupid. <laughs> oh, well, okay. you can retroactively do it. That's fine. We can both. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. I feel like he's got to have some kind of cushion on there, because I cannot imagine coral being comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, but also the but, uh, Greeks were all about that stoicism, so you know. He's gotta sit on the unhappy true. chair. Fucking Marcus Aurelius over here. I mean there's some rounded off kinds of coral, not just the pokey stuff. Well, that's true. You can put that down there for the lumbar support. You just put a couple of bloodfish on the seat, it'll be fine. Yes, very good book. Uh I think we are going to take the hint that William's internet is giving us uh, and call it a day. <laughs> oh, I, do I sound super choppy? Yeah, not your fault. It's it's fine. Um, instead of the bonus thing I had planned, but we'll have to do that in the first episode of our interstitial game that'll mm-hmm. be coming to you pretty soon. Uh, Scions of Camp Half-Blood Season 2, The Fate of Camp Half-Blood. <gasps> Until then, all our buddies, uh, if you'd like, you... Uh, listen, like, we've made jokes in the past about maybe there won't be a Twitter, lol, but like... It actively seems to be in the process of deleting itself now, so don't tweet at us. Don't bother. It's fine. Um, but you can go... T- Very unlikely, yes. Exactly. Yeah. But you can go to my website. It's thebagler.com. Bagler spelled exactly as you'd think. This is where I post all the episodes. I uh, You can comment without an account or anything. You can let us know who got your Brunner. Uh, what you would put on a shield uh, depicting all of Tyson and Rainbow's adventures. And what small business idea you would pitch to them next. Let us know. <laughs> Uh, until then, all our buddies, thank you for joining us for the Sea of Monsters, and be sure to tune in next time. It just occurred to me we should have looked up the initial chapter of the third book. I will do that quickly before William's internet quits on us entirely. Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Titan's Curse, with chapter one, My Rescue Operation Goes Very Wrong. Oh, just jumping straight in. 
Yeah, you know, listen, this is a story that knows itself by now. <laughs> um, so we're just phenomenal. That's that's one thing. That's one thing I love with progressions in series is that like every book further you get in the series, the more you know. Like we don't have to welcome new people here; they know what they're in for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no sane person is starting on on book three. So exactly, and if they are, they deserve what's coming to them. That's all I have to say. Indeed. And I say that as a person who read the second Harry Potter first because it was a random book my mother brought me from the airport. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah, that's go ahead and read those. You can visit the websites, and we'll see you guys next time. Uh, until then, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, eat the blue food, and uh, send us your fan art of Rainbow and Tyson doing all the things we listed and all the fun things you can think of them doing, keeping in mind that uh, Tyson is probably a minor. Be cool. Bye, everybody. Bye.